Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. Well, we've all heard about the Great Resignation. This phrase seems to be everywhere right now. It was coined by an organizational psychologist at Texas A&M University. His name is Anthony Klotz, and he just came up with this idea that we should describe what's going on, this phenomena of people quitting their jobs in the wake of the pandemic. The U.S. has seen this hit record levels when we look at quits, but we've seen it in Canada and other countries as well. It seems like people want to go somewhere else where they think they will be happier, where things will be better for them because they are unhappy where they are. And there's lots of reasons for people leaving their jobs. For some, they maybe didn't feel secure enough to do it during the pandemic. So now where there seems to be hiring going on, they say, yeah, this is the time to go. For others, they just feel burnt out and they need a change. But what comes up again and again and again is a feeling that workers are not appreciated. People just don't feel like they're being thanked or valued for the things that they do. And, you know, we know this spans income levels. It spans industries. It's pretty universal. So it's something for organizations, employers to think about, because when you lose a worker, it costs a lot to replace them. I mean, some estimates say it's as much as twice their salary. Uh, so if you are you know, running a, a large organization and you have a lot of people leaving, it could run in the millions of dollars this year as people leave. Well, it's a good time to sit down and say, you know, what can we do to stop this? And how can we show appreciation? Well, to talk about all of that, I have a really great guest today. His name is Steve Pemberton, and he's Chief Human Resources Officer at Work Human. Now, Work Human has come out with this new report. They've surveyed workers across industries, across countries, and they have some great information on what workers are feeling, but also what organizations can do to support workers right now and in supporting workers support themselves because they won't be losing people. So it's a great time to think about it. And it's a great time for organizations to sit down and look at this so they're not unwilling victims of the great resignation. It was a great conversation with Steve and there were some great takeaways. So please stay with us. Well, will the great resignation lead to a change in workplace culture? Well, our guest today is Steve Pemberton. He's Chief Human Resources Officer with WorkHuman. And he believes that a little bit of gratitude could change things. And in turn, that would save companies a great deal of money. He joins us now. Hi, Steve. Hi, Linda. How are you? I'm just fine. Thanks so much for doing this today. I'm glad to be with you. You know, there's so much to talk about when we're talking about the great resignation, uh, but I always like to ask guests about their own background, how they ended up doing what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a circuitous path. That is for sure. Uh, I actually began my career in higher education. I've always been intrigued and fascinated by system structures and how they intersect with people. Um, and so that ultimately landed me in the world of, of human resources. Prior to work human, I was in similar capacities at Walgreens and Monster.com. Uh, I'm also an author. Uh, I've written uh, a few books. Oh, I'm an author too. It's uh, a long road from oh, the idea to getting, <laughs> getting it out there and promoting yes. it. Uh, yes, for sure. 
Well, you've been looking, spending a lot of time looking at the Great Resignation, as we all have. It's kind of this, I would say, unintended or surprise uh, result of the pandemic that people are leaving jobs in droves. WorkHuman has a new study on this. Ta tell us about you know, what you looked at, what you asked people. So what we did was we polled uh, 3,500 uh, workers uh, in the U.S., U.K., Ireland, and Canada, Really, and we're asking about their connection to to jobs um, uh, and companies, and then how they're looking at at the future. And the data was was quite telling, and it explains why there is this great resignation. There's another component of this too that is uh, the great talent swap. So it's not just people who are exiting uh, the workforce, although that's that's certainly happening, but they're also uh, changing. Uh, allegiances in, in terms of their relationships with with employers specifically. So I, I do think it's it's literally forcing this kind of recalibration of the relationship between the employer and the employee. Well, let's talk about the reasons for this. I found it was quite a list, but burnout was one of them. Yes, yes, absolutely. It makes sense, right? Yeah. If if we think about our day, right, um, being on screens all day. Um, and if you're working across multiple time zones, as our employees at Work Human are, boy, that's a, that's an even longer day. Uh, and so uh, you're managing at the same time a multiplicity of things on the home front, whether it is uh, being um, a provider for uh, or caregiver for elderly parents to raising young children, uh, and then being in back-to-back-to-back -back -back meetings. I mean, all the ingredients for what would typically be defined as burnout are, are, are all there. And, and it's very clear that's exactly what people are feeling. But, you know, it's not clear that it would be any better at any other company. They're deciding to leave the companies they're in and go elsewhere. Is there a trigger to this? Uh, there is. I mean, one, I, I just think it's 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 a general lack of appreciation, or at least a feeling that there is a lack of appreciation for uh, what people are navigating in their personal and in their professional lives. Uh, it is by far the biggest driver. Uh, you know, so, for example, that study revealed that about one third of workers said uh, that they had been thanked in the last month. And um, those same individuals are um, half as likely to be looking for a new job. I mean, I know it seems so simple, Linda, but People do want to be acknowledged and appreciated for the work that they're doing, the sacrifices that 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 they're making. Um, and so when you don't have that full appreciation, it becomes probably the biggest ingredient uh, that's driving, uh, you know, burnout. You know, we've seen this so many times, Steve. I remember seeing one study looking at uh, workers who embezzled from their companies. And one of the things <laughs> was they felt unappreciated, that they were doing more than they were getting thanked for or compensated for. So they felt, you know, they had to take their compensation in a different way, which mm -hmm. is obviously twisted, but it shows right. you know, how sensitive people are. Yeah, it is. And, and so you wind up in an ethical dilemma. But if you look at it from the employers, like, what can you do about it? Well, one is just change your mindset, uh, because I think sometimes there's this perception of these macro enormous things that you have to do. And there are some of those things. But by and large, it's really the small things, an acknowledgement of reaching beyond uh, to help in a very specific situation. Let's say you and I are 
you know, working on a project together and you're in marketing and I'm in sales and I call you, Linda, look, I, I know you're really busy. I know you got a lot going on. I really need this marketing piece from you. And you, you know, <laughs> pause what you're doing and you get me what I need. And then for me to be able to turn around and say to you, one peer to another, Linda, we, we closed that account. Um, thank you so much. Help me reach my number. Like whatever the whatever the impact that was for me to share that with you. So it's a, it's a little bit beyond the thank you. And sometimes the perception that, that it's a bigger deal or something bigger is required when in fact, what we see on our platform, 6 million moments of recognition, and you just see the feed and you can see it's really, really the small things. Is it peers though, or is it management that is not saying thank you? I think it's both actually. You know, the anchor of our platform is that uh, that peer recognition is the biggest driver uh, and management as a result gets caught up in the ecosystem of gratitude. So now I think about my team as an example. I know who's getting thanked and for what. And so I can see how much uh, people are extending themselves. Uh, and so as their manager, I can see that in ways that I wouldn't if it were just coming from me. Because I, I see, like in the example that I gave, you know, you went the extra mile to 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 help a, a, a sales uh, person, and so now that I I think helps me as a manager understand. Well, I better make sure that I'm recognizing the people who are being recognized for the everyday work that they do. Uh, I think historically, a lot of that onus has been on management. But now when you turn it over to peers, people we work alongside every day in huddles and, and task forces and teams, you begin to change and shift uh, the culture. That management ultimately feels that they not only are a participant, but they're an ambassador of, and they model that behavior accordingly. So are we talking about just saying thank you or should it be kind of a more formal kind of thank you? bonuses or in writing or anything else? Well, what, what we've learned is the value of uh, uh, assigning the monetary value of assigning something to that recognition moment is, is very impactful. Uh, so there's, there's the same kind of emotional equity is derived from you know, a $1,000 bonus at the beginning of the year and spreading that out over the course of a year. So that $1,000 bonus at the very beginning of the year, well, by the end of that month, it's kind of lost its emotional equity. But if you take that same amount and you spread it out over the course of a year and then you hand it to employees, um, then all of a sudden now you have this ongoing cultural you know, connection uh, that unleashes this whole other set of appreciation and gratitude and, 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 and recognition. What we see on on our platform is the I, I call it the waterfall effect, the beautiful waterfall effect of waking up, being on the receiving end of a gratitude moment. Something, some cases, Linda, you weren't aware that you did, and and now it has this other effect, this other impact, and and one of them is is upon you to say, well, boy, I was on the receiving end of a wonderful moment of recognition, but whom can I now recognize? So. It is peers and it is managers. Do a lot of companies have guidelines around this or is it just sort of organic? People are, are better at it or worse at it or, or, or some companies better at it? 
I think some companies absolutely are are better at it, and, and those are the ones who, you know, are making a little bit more than just a perfunctory thank you, you know, to assign a value to it, and people then are able uh, to redeem in whatever format and way they choose is is quite impactful and 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 very important. Uh, I think the other is it now gives you the ability as people leaders, for example, to now quantify culture. So now you can say, we've made this investment in, in this commitment to retention. So this, this kind of intersection of recognition and retention and recruiting and employer brand, it moves, it, it helps us to define how people are feeling about the organization specifically. So you can pull up a kind of a, a recognition heat map and you can say, well, uh, by function, by tenure in the company, by demographic group. So are women being recognized in the organization as consistently as men and at the same value? And if not, then what plans are we going to put in place? So that means you can go to the head of any function and say, here's your recognition map. Here's your strengths, because I think it's always important to start what you do well. And then here's the opportunities. And now you can be very tactical, very specific. So finances needs might be different than legal's needs, might be different than IT's needs. Okay, so you've actually quantified a lot of this, right? And we should talk about the great resignation. It's costing companies a lot. It costs a lot to onboard anybody, find anybody in the first place. Absolutely. I mean, if, if, if you look at the velocity, and I would emphasize that the velocity of, of departures, uh, it's already upon us. Uh, and so now that the, the 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 first just a time lost, um, the investment that you've made in employees over a period of time, think about all the investments and commitments that we make, and then uh, to see that those individuals leave the organization. Now we we've got to spend, you know, 30, 60, 90 days trying to replace that that talent specifically. Uh, we have to source differently. It's now more competitive because one of the things that the pandemic changed is where the power lies. Now, employees are saying, uh-uh, we get to decide now. And so they're driving harder conversations about work life, mm-hmm. about working in a hybrid way. And so for I would humbly suggest to any employer who believes that they're kind of driving the, the show here, uh, they're, they're not. And so there's still the opportunity, though, to pivot and and to avoid what will be this, um, you know, this kind of massive cost uh, that's happening around around departures, and I, I, you know, with, with our um, and our, our conversations, just to try and set some context. I'm trying to think about once when was the last time we saw this kind of dramatic in evolution in the way that people are working, and I would say you probably have to go back to the 1920s in the 40-hour work week. I mean, you have to go back that far to say, okay, when was there another time that the way the world of work shifted? Um, and this is clearly now uh, that that time that's upon us. I would agree. I mean, I speak a lot about this, that technology has changed things so that you can go into the office, but you don't have to. So we haven't had that choice before. And workers obviously are waking up to that too. It's interesting you say that workers have more power and the like. This is a real cultural shift, right? And when you think about the workplace over the last 20 years, particularly maybe around the Great Recession 10 years ago, it was not like this. And there's been some pretty toxic cultures out there. 
Are you optimistic yes. that this is really going to make a difference here? Because you have to get rid of a lot of people who think that way. Well, the, the reality is when you have nearly four in, in, in 10 people saying that, based, based on our very resignation study, four in 10 people across the globe are saying, you know, I'm going to be looking for a job in the next 12 months. I mean, that's that voluntary turnover uh, is going to cost, you know, billions. Uh, and it's all solvable uh, because it's very clear what are the things that that, that we can do. Uh, and this is as much a message for management in particular. You know, one of the things that the pandemic has revealed in the same way that the Great Recession was the test of the finance function. Well, you know, the pandemic has been a test of the human resources function. And I would say humbly of, of, of my profession that we pass with flying colors. We pass with flying colors. So I would say to senior executives, trust your HR team. They have a finger on the pulse of culture. Uh, they, they know where the, where the challenges are specifically. They're able to put plans in front of you and say, okay, let's, let's follow this path. Where the collision can happen is if you, we try to force people back into a pre-pandemic world. Because what they're going to do, and they are doing, is they're voting with their feet. And they're saying, hey, I'm, I'm willing to give up these kinds of things because I've had some epiphanies uh, during the pandemic. I want to be closer to my mother and father. Um, I, I, I want to be there for the child rearing moments because I have been for the last year and a half. And we, uh, you know, as employers and as executive teams, we really have to wrestle with that. Now, uh, most importantly, though, I would say that the solutions are there in front of us and really does begin with recognition, appreciation, gradually like creating that ecosystem. We see this all around us, right, especially around our healthcare workers you know, who have responded to the pandemic in extraordinary form and, 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 and fashion and their stress and strain. I mean, you look at social media timelines, right? And you can just see the effect. So what, what, are, what helps them in a moment, whether it is standing on a balcony in Italy and applauding uh, nurses as they're heading off to their, to their shift or just saying, thank you. It gives our healthcare workers, as an example, the strength just to get through one more day and to know that they're valued and seen and appreciated. You know, I agree with you, but I almost wonder if this will let some companies or organizations get off lightly because you know, saying thank you to nurses is nice, but clearly they want to see more structural changes so they can feel appreciated and valued and be able to do their job. Are we seeing that, like the real structural change happening? We are, because you're exactly right. You know, a, a, um, a thank you with no value, to be candid, is not, is not enough. Um, and it's not, more importantly, helping, with, let's say, with the mental wellness challenges that a lot of uh, employees are experiencing. They absolutely are. Uh, so a lot of the structural changes have to be about how you're creating a hybrid work environments. You know, specifically, one of the most helpful things that we can do is ask you, how do you want to work? We did that at WorkHuman. We conducted a, literally a survey of our entire population and said, what works best for you? And we, the, that feedback that we took, one, people value just being asked. That was a structural change. As I say, we're going to ask for your participation in what is helpful and most effective for you. And then we began building and now continuing to build everything from uh, the way our offices are going to be reimagined um, to how we treat shifts and, and schedules. 
there's nothing more valuable than to, than to acknowledge um, that you are willing to change structures. You're going to have to change structures more specifically. You don't want to lose very, very talented people because of things that you can control and solve. Now, can you control things like masks? Uh, you know, I mean, vaccine, vaccines. No, you can't do any of that. But you can control the environment. And I think it's most important to recognize that that's where people in societies all across the world are turning to. In multiple studies, I've said, where does trust exist in the world today? So people don't trust legal systems. They don't trust media. But you know who they do trust? They trust who they work for and they trust their boss. That's where trust is today. So that's where it is. How do you affirm that trust? Well, you do that actually through listening and then modeling practices on that feedback that you get. Interesting. We're still, you know, in in a lot of ways in a transitional phase, the pandemic isn't really over. We're still kind of dealing with all of that. Mm. When we get at some point, I'm going to assume it does end. So when we get into, let's say, five years from now, 10 years from now, what do you think the changes, what do you think will be the most marked changes, the things that will be very different from now? The the, number one, the, the hybrid work environment is going to be the longest carryover. Our Children, I'm thinking about my three who are not in the workforce yet, but will be in the next five to six years, two in college, one in high school. They're they're going to be walking into a world that's going to look very, very different than than I did and and that you did. You know, you you kind of you got up and you either got on a train or got in a car and you went to an office. That is not what their world is going to look like at all. It's going to be Okay, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm in the office. Monday, Friday, uh, I'm somewhere else, and I'm I'm plugged in. That's going to be their world. So that's that's number one. I think the office experience itself is going to be different. There's going to be much more community, much more connection, uh, because that is one of the things that we lost in the pandemic. We lost that sense of connection to one another, and so we're we're, we're hungry to get that back. And the workplace is one of the places that can provide that to us, kind of this, this, this healing ground. I, I think there are, uh, there are going to be some ongoing shifts about mental uh, wellness and well-being and a greater expectation of employers to be providing that kind of support. Uh, I've already, we're already beginning to see a, a deeper understanding of what that means. Uh, the other is parenting. Uh, I think that Again, five years from now, much greater understanding of what it means to not only be a caregiver and a parent to young children, but what are our responsibilities as employers for those who are taking care of elderly parents in particular? And this is certainly true if your workforce, as ours is, is predominantly millennial. Uh, so those are going to be the realities that are facing us. And then lastly, it is it's, it's the power and the impact uh, that recognition has and will have because it gets you into everything, Linda. It's it's the start of retention. It's the essence of very strong diversity and inclusion practices. It drives succession planning. I mean, you want to see the relative health of, of an organization, see who's getting recognized for what, how consistently, and is there value assigned uh, to it? There's a direct connection between that and retention. A lot of change ahead. Steve, thank you so much for talking to me today. Linda, great being with you. Oh, and before we go, do you want to tell us about your book? Uh, Sure. 
so some years ago, I, I wrote my coming of age story. I called it a chance in the world. It was the uh, prediction uh, of, a, of a babysitter who said that I couldn't overcome what I'd been born into. Uh, when that book was published, I wound up hearing stories of others all across the world uh, that uh, I, find, I found equally fascinating. So in the follow-up uh, to that book, I uh, chronicled the journey of 10 people that I've met along my own life journey as a young boy, as a younger man, or as recently as a couple of years ago. Uh, and they all um, overcame something very difficult uh, to better the lives of others. And in that way, they're very much like like the lighthouse and, and hence the name, the lighthouse effect. Uh, and boy, do we sure need uh, lighthouses. You know, lastly, I was I was trying to uh, in in the book, I was I was trying to help us better understand uh, where the heroes in the world are today that they're not the the province of the wealthy and the well-known, but that any of us on any given day can be a lighthouse for someone else and, and find one for ourselves. Awesome. Well, good luck with that as well. Thanks again. Thanks, Linda. Appreciate being with you. Well, that's it for today. If you want to know more about Steve and you want to see the report we talked about, please take a look at our show notes. You'll see a link there. If you do want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at Relentless Eco. Now, if you did like this conversation about the future of work, please take a moment, leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. That's how people find podcasts. And if they find us, it will really help us continue these conversations about the future of work. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work and the Future Podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.